Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Well, first, I want to um, mention that I was uh, sitting for a few weeks, two and a half weeks or so, uh, at the uh, Forest Refuge in Barrie, Massachusetts. Um, it's so good. It's such a good place to sit, the Forest Refuge. If, you, if you've done retreats before, it's a kind of self, semi-self-retreat uh, situation right next to Insight Meditation Society. Um, and it was wonderful, and it's just so good to sit. It's, it's amazing. You kind of First couple of days, I say, "Why do I teach people about this?" You know, gosh, you know, gosh this is hard. And then, uh, and then it's, "Oh wow, this is so good." Um, so I fell in love with the practice, uh, uh, re- reconnected our, my love affair with uh, with the practice, intensive practice. And if you haven't done a retreat, but our but are just thinking about it, just kind of curious, mildly curious. I really encourage you to uh, to try it because it's it's quite extraordinary. There's nothing quite like really getting to make friends with yourself, to see your to see your mind, and uh, in a in a context of real um, support. Um, as one of my teachers, Manindraji, would say, if you want to understand the mind, your mind, sit down and observe it, and you see it all. Uh, But more than that, you open up to all the, the whole show, the purity of heart, holding the confusion with kindness, just uh, it, it's a very profound experience, so I really encourage you to um, to do that. And coming from the the inner, then to go to the outer. Uh, here we are together, a community, and uh, wanted to uh, talk tonight, and uh, perhaps more than uh, one talk, exploring about uh, community, refuge in the sangha. We just finished those chants, and the the last part of each chant uh, it says, uh, "Budang saranang gachami, damang saranang gachami, sangang saranang gachami, sangang saranang gachami." I take refuge in the sangha, and then for the second time and for the third time, I take refuge in the sangha. Those are the. Is this loud enough? By the way, can you hear me? Um, that's better. Um, those are the, the three gems, the three jewels, the three refuges that are spoken about in this body of teachings that you can feel the, the, the quality of support, of safety, of home that will sustain you through those difficult times. Refuge in the Sangha, refuge in community.
the word sangha means those that are together. That's the, the little literal translation. Those that are together, coming together. Come together. And in, a, in the formal uh, definition, there's, there's three levels of sangha that are generally spoken of. The, um, the noble sangha, Aryan sangha, the word Aryan means noble, the noble sangha of all the, the people, monks, nuns, lay people, who through practice opened up to awakening, to real liberation of the mind and the heart. That sangha is a refuge when you think, this isn't just theoretical, this stuff really works. This is a a way to really free the heart and the mind of greed, of hatred and confusion, and open up to the highest happinesses available. And people have done it. Many, many people have done it. And we can take refuge and comfort and inspiration in the fact that it's been done. And we draw on that whole legacy of 25 or more centuries of people who've been doing this. Then there's the monastic sangha, monks and nuns of people who have so committed themselves to the spiritual life, the the holy life, that they've made that the central lifestyle that they want to follow to support in their awakening. And if you are, if you've been around monks and nuns um, who live the holy life, there's something so inspiring about that commitment, even if it's not your path to do that we can be inspired by others who so feel the call to open to the deepest truths, to be willing to go through whatever it takes to open up to um, the holy life. And then there's the lay sangha. The, the word in recent times has been more broadly used to include communities like this where people come together with the mutual shared intention to wake up to the best of their ability and to support each other in doing that. That there's, there's something about coming together to do this that um, changes the whole experience. 
the Sangha started after the Buddha was enlightened under the Bodhi tree in, in Bodh Gaya. And he then found his five cohorts, the ascetics that he'd been traveling with for some time, who abandoned him when they thought that he'd gone soft because he had accepted some some offerings and they were on a major self-mortification trip along with him. And they said, oh, Siddhartha's gone, gone soft and they, they left, left him. And then fortunately for him and for us, he found what he was looking for and became fully enlightened. And then he went to seek them out. He could have actually at first, his inclination was just to hang out under the tree. Supposedly, he hung out there for about seven weeks. You know. That's some pretty strong meditating. You know. uh, and he was saying, you know, this, I, I'm having such, uh, such a good uh, and, and complete time. I don't need anything else. In fact, he was very reluctant to, to teach. He wasn't, he wasn't looking for you know, for a scene. He wasn't trying to gather people around him. He just was experiencing his own deep freedom. And he thought, you know, what I've discovered, it's so deep and profound and, and complex. What if I try to communicate it and others don't get it? This is it said in the the words in the in the uh, in the the teachings are it would be a vexation and troublesome to me. You know? So he still had his preferences, you know. but then as the as the story goes, he was encouraged to take a look and see if others could benefit, and he saw that there were so many people like him that had just but a little dust covering their eyes, as the, 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 the words are said. And um, that if he did share, so many people could benefit. So he went and found his, his friends, who at first didn't want to have anything to do with him. Oh, no, you've gone soft. And he said, I got it. I got what we're looking for. No, 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 no. And he said, have you ever known me to lie? And they said, no, you've always been really honest. He said, well, I found it. And with that, he shared what's called the Dhamma Chaka Sutta, the turning of the wheel of the Dharma. And he told them what he discovered and shared the Four Noble Truths, at which point one of them, Kondanya, awakened himself. And he smiled and he said, and the Buddha at that time, he, w- he wasn't called the Buddha. The Buddha means one who is awake. But he said, oh, Kandanya knows. He could see that Kandanya got it. And Kandanya said, um, I want to be your disciple. And with that, he said, okay. That was the beginning of the, the Sangha. And the others also joined and quickly, you know, in those days, you hear a discourse, especially by the Buddha, 
and uh, it does the trick, and they soon also became enlightened. And then people just wanted to hear and gather and practice and find out what, what these others had discovered. They wanted to find out for themselves. And so the community grew and grew. It's said that the Sangha gives occasion for incomparable goodness to arise in the world. That coming together to open up to the Dharma and to practice together gives occasion for incomparable goodness to arise in the world. There's more than just practicing on our own, which is a wonderful thing to do, like going on retreat. Although, as you know, if you've practiced in a practice center, when you go on retreat and you're feeling the practice of community, it's a bit different than a a self-retreat, a solitary retreat. But when people come together, the energy, just perhaps you could feel the energy in the room as as we sat quietly together, is something mysterious. It's not just an absence of talking. There's a kind of mutual field of the truth, of sharing the silence that's almost palpable. And it allows the arising of goodness to emerge from coming together. And if you... I'll be talking a little bit both about practice, but also in the world. We have many, many sanghas. You might have uh, sanghas or communities of friends that help you wake up other than formal meditation. So we, we can include any kind of coming together where people are mutually supporting each other in creating and bringing out the best in in you, in each other. Isn't that wonderful? Where you're together and you know that it's not about who's going to come out on top. It's about everybody coming together and just supporting each other and bringing out the best. In that field, we can relax, we can rejoice, we can feel the connection and our good fortune. There's, it's, it's like a call something out of us that we might not have even been in touch with before we came. That often happens. People you know, maybe come here and say, you know, gosh, I was so bummed out coming here. I didn't know if I was going to come or not. And then just being in the energy field, it's like you're reminded of something good and pure and true because you're surrounded by others that value that. That's just so mysterious and magical, isn't it? We don't have to do anything special. Just sit here quietly loving the truth. And something beautiful is called forth from that. When I first got started with these this practices, I've mentioned many times it was uh, in the, the summer of uh, 1974 at Naropa Institute in Boulder, Colorado. 
and, which was like a spiritual summer camp, and it was incredible. And it was like you, you couldn't, you, you, you know, you were surrounded by sangha everywhere you, go, you, you went, and people were having a fun time at the same, as well. And then I went back to uh, New York. I was living in, uh, in New York at the time, Queens. And there was no sangha to be heard of. I was so uh, on fire, though. I was practicing diligently every day because I'd found something that was going to help, help me get out of all the confusion and suffering. I believed, you know, I believe. <laughs> I'll get on my cushion. I'll do it, you know. But it was lonely. It was really lonely. And then I, I heard, oh, some people are getting together in this Manhattan uh, apartment. And I, and I went and I sat with, with them. It wasn't quite the connection I was looking for, but it was something. But I was so hungry. And every summer I would go back to Naropa for community again besides going on on retreats, that feeling of being alone in doing this, uh, it's really, um, it's hard. It's really hard. That's why refuge in the Sangha, the Buddha, this well-known quote uh, that uh, most of you have heard, the Buddha says in, in response to Ananda, his attendant, saying, it seems that having good friends is half of the holy life, O Lord. And the Buddha says, no, not so, Ananda. Having good friends is the whole of the holy life. It's the whole of the holy life. Uh, and I, before I went to Naropa, I went to Naropa because I had um, read Be Here Now and was carrying it around like a Bible for the previous few years. And I remember reading Be Here Now uh, besides, at the time, people going around and flashing peace signs. That was the first time I felt like I was maybe part of something uh, and not so alone. But when I read Be Here Now, uh, what, which changed my life, it was, I remember reading it and thinking, oh, I'm not alone. That was the experience. Oh, I'm not alone. Wow. This guy is saying it just like, just like I see it, and and then some. But this feeling like, oh, there's there's something here that I can tap into, um, that radically changed me and gave me faith. That feeling, you know, when you're feeling alone, and then all of a sudden you realize that you're not alone. Wow, that's the difference between heaven and hell. Even if you're going through hell, if you're going through it with others and you all feel like you're in it together, that in itself can be a heaven, can't it? Wow. And we made it through if you make it through. You know. <laughs> but you do. You've all made it through. You're all here, right? But to go through something together, to go through an ordeal together, and to know that you each were supporting 
each other in that. Ah, what magic. Wow, we got together and we did it. We made it through. You know, I don't know for, for you, you know, just how you are feeling now these days, uh, but I remember that, that feeling. I had personally that feeling you know, at the election. Oh, wow, so many people getting together looking for something positive, if I can, you know, if I'm not offending anyone here in Berkeley. Um, <laughs> but that feeling, oh, wow, it can happen. There's possibilities here. Because when we, we go through that, we remind each other of the, that, the goodness, the caring, and the noble aspiration. Now, it doesn't mean that once you're together as a sangha, that everything is hunky-dory. Oh, great. We're here in a spiritual community. How wonderful. I've got it made. No, no, no. That's when the work really starts. And I, I, I want to read uh, a, a beautiful passage from um, Ajahn Amaro's book, Silent Rain. He has a beautiful essay on refuge in the sangha. And he says... Um, Ajahn Amaro comes here uh, often the, the first Tuesday of the, the month, he or someone from the monastic community. The beauty of the Sangha is that we have people around us who are like-minded, who can support us in our spiritual life and encourage us with their presence. I remember being at Wat Pananachat, the international monastery in Thailand, and my mind being incessantly filled with unspeakable thoughts, steamy passions and worries, my imagination would go wild thinking about this and that. I used to feel guilty about receiving people's offerings. As a Western monk, even as a novice, people were very devoted, kind, and generous. So I would think if they knew what was going on in my mind, they would be horror-struck. I would express these reservations and feelings to the monks there and say, you know, I feel... This is a bit of a sham. These people think we're all so pure and holy. What is going on in my mind is pretty profane. (laughs) Then, when the monks explained, I realized that a monastery and a community, spiritual community, is not for saints. It's for sinners. If we were all pure, enlightened beings, there wouldn't be any need for monasteries. Monasteries are here for those that have potential and a lot of defilements and confusions. Monasteries exist so the potential that is there has a chance to ripen, to develop. If we feel that, that as soon as we shave our head or come and stay in a monastery, we're supposed to be absolutely bereft of unwholesome or anxious neurotic feelings or anything less than totally pure, radiant love, wisdom, etc., then we create a lot of problems and confusion for ourselves. So that's true both in monastery and in, in lay spiritual communities. I've been involved in lots of spiritual communities where there can be this idealism in thinking, oh, wow, we're all spiritual together. How wonderful. No greed, no hatred, no delusion. Finally, I made it to the promised land. And it can be very disillusioning because rarely are communities 
made up of enlightened beings, these fully enlightened beings. We're just human. And so we're helping each other go through whatever we go through. And part of it is realizing that we're going to make mistakes, that we're going to blow it, that we're going to be less than sensitive, that we have lots to learn. But if we are committed to helping each other learn, then, uh, you know, it's like the potatoes in a, in a basin rubbing against each other, and they kind of clean each other after all that rubbing, or stones being, uh, going around in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the tumbler and polishing each other. That's how it works. If there is the, the mutual commitment to help each other wake up, Sister Sundara, who's also in the Amravati community in uh, Bayagiri community, uh, Amravati community, says refuge is in the Sangha is refuge in that which is good, wholesome, compassionate, and wise. Refuge in the pure heart. And the the word that the term that's often used um, to describe spiritual friendship is uh, kalyanamita. Kalyana Mita. Mita means friend, like Metta. Mita, Maitri, friendship. And Kalyana, spiritual. To have spiritual friends, the whole of the holy life. On, on this retreat uh, that I just was at, at the Forest Refuge, um, it's interesting, in, in, the, uh, in that center, there's one bell for the day. It's the lunch bell. Everything else, there's, there's no bells, but there's a common hall, and a lot of people sit in their rooms, and when you want, you can come in and sit in the hall. Um, and um, so you're all on your own schedule. The evening, I happen to like to... Um, to finish off the evening, I'd sit mostly in my room, but I went into the uh, the last uh, the last sit for the for the day. I figured I'd go into the hall and get a little bit of of community energy if there's somebody else in there. And it was uh, it was really sweet. On retreats, this often happens. It's like a a late night club, you know, <laughs> where you're kind of uh, you're there with people who are on that schedule, on that rhythm, and you're just kind of supporting each other, and it's really wonderful. And it just so happened, I was sitting on the retreat with two people who are from this community. Uh, One, uh, Alexa, who gave the talk a number of uh, months ago. She's she's sitting there for five months, and this is her third month. And um, and then and Jenya, who uh, who often comes here and, and helps out, is really great. She was sitting there for a couple of weeks, and it just so happened we were on the same schedule, and there we were. And we'd be the the at different corners of the room, and be just the three of us. Actually, New Year's Eve. That's that's how I spent my New Year's Eve. Was 
we're just on the same schedule, and we, we all kind of telepathically said, okay, we'll, we'll, I'll, we'll, I was going to sit through New Year's, so we were all there. And there's something about sitting in the silence, which is this connection where you're supporting each other as a, as a kalyana mita, as a spiritual friend. So uh, it, it's, it's quite extraordinary. We all know what friendship is the magic of friendship and that when you're when you're with others there's you don't have to be self-sustaining you don't have to do it all on your own there's that that feeling of uh, of support now i want to say something about community um i believe in community i really believe in community and i didn't always believe in community um, I, um, you know, I, I lived on my own for a while. I had some uh, housemate, uh, a good friend who was a roommate, but I didn't, um, I didn't really get community until um, 1980 when I came. Uh, I was living in San Francisco for a few years. And then uh, I was invited to join this community. Well, I started going out with Jane, who's my wife now. Uh, for We've been going out since 1980, so it's going on 30 years now. Uh, that's how I started getting involved in that community. Um, but it was a community. Somebody said, who is it? They said that they, they, uh, they, they sat like 25 or 30 years ago. Right. At Harwood House, oh, and Ann Singer too. Uh, it was a, this great house uh, that's in Rockridge area that was owned by um, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Banker of Caldwell Banker. <laughs> it's a big house, and there were um, eight adults and uh, a few kids at different times. There's a hot tub in the back. It was a very cool house. We lived, Jane and I were in the library, Mr. Banker's library, uh, and downstairs was the meditation room. Uh, but it was, it was set up by um, this very wonderful friend and benefactor. Uh, if you go to Spirit Rock, there's a bench somewhere that says, uh, in memory of Shirley Lewis, uh, this woman, Shirley, who was a very dear friend, who really understood about community. And she had this structure that brought out the best in people. Um, she lived there part of the time, but part of the time she, uh, she lived in, uh, she had a place up in, uh, up in Comchi in Northern California. But her structure was... Um, We'd have meetings every mm, every other week, mainly. Wes Nisker was part of that community, uh, and his daughter Rose uh, lived with us. And Wendy Zarin, who's a teacher in, in Colorado, was part of that community, and Jane and, and a few other people. Um, and it was great. It just really worked. It was like, oh, wow. It's really possible to get along and bring out the best in each other. These were, this is our house meeting um, schedule, which we adopted a little bit at Spirit Rock in the early days when the, 
the board w when we didn't have so much on the agenda and so much to do, but that we, we adopted this kind of as the process. We'd start out with appreciating, appreciating each other. You know, oh, uh, Lynn, I really, really loved that the way that you went the extra mile for me when I needed such and such. You know, oh, you know, Wes, it was so great when you and we go around and just general sincere appreciations. I really like that. I really appreciate that. That was really good way to start out the meeting, bring out the best in each other. Then the next part of the meeting was self-appreciations. So if somebody didn't catch your good deeds, <laughs> okay, I appreciate myself for doing extra dishes uh, last week. Oh, very neat. Oh, that's great, Tim, you know. But first, you want to get out all the appreciations, and then if you were, they didn't notice, then you get self-appreciation. Yeah. Then you go to, we went to um, self-clearings. Right. That was the next part of the agenda. Uh, I have to fess up that I haven't been uh, exactly doing my chores as diligently as I could, and I didn't do this. Blah, blah. Okay, so then... It's kind of like in the in the Buddhist community, in the monastic community, you uh, you confess uh, paravana every two weeks. You know, this is what this is what I I did. So then you do. So after self clearings, then comes clearings, where if somebody didn't quite get how they blew it. Uh, you might remind them in a very loving way. Uh, you know, uh, James, uh, it wasn't quite the best way that you could have communicated that to me. And uh, you know, oh, So you want to get the self-clearings out before the clearings come. Right? <laughs> it was brilliant. And then uh, there were the CRs, the consciousness raisers, where... Uh, you know, hey, we've got to start scrubbing, uh, you know, don't leave. That was the first place I ever lived in that you, you didn't leave not only dishes in the sink, you didn't leave dishes in the drain. It's like, oh, this is a whole other level of <laughs> high standard here, right? And, uh, and so the, and CRs, consciousness raisers, there was a board on the refrigerator. I haven't thought about this in ages, but CR, whoever did so-and-so, please blah, 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 you know. And then we go through our CRs and just to kind of spiff up and bring it up to a higher level. And, um, and then there'd be the agenda. And then at the end of the agenda, uh, after everything was done, then there'd be process time where... We, we just took a few minutes and said, okay, uh, what, how is this meeting for you? Or what's going on? You don't want, we didn't want people leaving the meeting feeling disconnected, feeling, well, I didn't like the way that was said. We wanted to hear if there's anything that's getting in the way, um, let's hear it so we can process it. It was a very conscious community with some really amazing people. And, uh, and often the process was, gosh, it's amazing to be in this community. 
how fortunate we are. So you can get why I believe in community. That when people come together, whether or not, not everybody there was a, was a meditator, but, mo- but most, many were, and they definitely supported what was going on, what, what I was doing as part of it, uh, part of the house. Uh, so it wasn't like you had to be a, a Buddhist to do this, but creating that space of safety and goodwill and kindness, we're all still friends with each other. Shoshana, actually, Shoshana, my co-writer, was in that community as well. Um, and we still have our friendships 30 years later. When I go to Madison, Wisconsin, I stay at Tim and Lynn's house. It's, wow, we've been through something magical together. So, kind of going on here. Um, Mm-hmm. Wonderful Halloween parties. We had outrageous <laughs> Halloween parties, yeah, and dance parties. Wow, you go back there, you, yeah. Uh, and uh, and sometimes there were things to be to be taken care of, but there was always this spirit of goodwill. You know, even when things got hard, there was always a spirit of goodwill. That it seems. When you're in that energy field, it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so much easier to keep up because you're all on that level, on that vibration. Why bring each other down? But when you're in the middle of it, you don't realize how rarefied that atmosphere is. Oh, where people actually want to bring out the best in each other? And that's, the, that's the, the, the context in which you're living. Well, that's what Sangha is, where you have a commitment to do that. In the Buddha's, uh, Buddhist time, I, I gave a talk on reconciliation uh, shortly before the end of the year. Uh, and I talked about the quarrel at Kosambi, Kosambi where the, there was this huge division in the Sangha over over. It was who, how somebody used the the latrine. That was how it all started, right? And then it became World War Three in there. And uh, the Buddha got so disgusted, he tried to intervene a few times. I don't know if disgusted is the right word. So disenchanted, I should say. Uh, uh, but he he tried a few times, and they said, "Hey." Basically, butt out, let us handle this on our own. And so he left, and he said, okay, I, I don't need this. And he went out into the, uh, into the forest, and he was there with the tusker elephant, who is his, an own, his own independent elephant. And he said, oh, I'm like a tusker. I don't need anybody now. Let me just enjoy the solitude and the peace. And then after he was there for a while, he came upon some, uh, a small monastic community of his disciples in another part of, of the, uh, the region, uh, this, uh, this uh, disciple Anuruddha and his two cohorts. And he said, tell me, Anuruddha, um, and uh, I forget the, other, the other's names, do you, are you doing well? Do you meet in harmony? 
do you have good community? And Anuruddha said, oh yes, we have a wonderful community. We, we blend like milk and water, is the, uh, uh, was the phrase he would use. And the Buddha said, how is it that you do this? How is it that you're able to, to blend like milk and water? And Anuruddha replied, well, if I see somebody, one of my friends, at, who needs something, I say, oh, well, why don't I help him? Uh, I, why don't I, I don't need to put my, my needs before his. What if I put my, his needs before mine? And the others all said the same thing. And so we get along and like milk and water and we live in great harmony. And the Buddha said, well done, well done. And then he went back and he kind of uh, helped reconcile everybody. They were ready to get reconciled when, when people stopped giving them some, uh, some food for alms rounds. They said, oh, we better get it together now. Uh, but how is it that we can go beyond our own self-needs and think of others before ourselves. This is a very high level. You might think, well, I don't know, is that realistic? Now you're, of course, you're not going to be uh, a martyr in community. But when you think about it, in the act of generosity... In the act of caring, you bring out the best in each other. You are not caught in that contracted sense of what about me or me first. And it just is, a, is a, an energy field that begets itself. So you're not doing it to be some kind of holy person you're doing it basically because it's what feels best. Just like we can say, what feels better, to get as much as you can or to give away and be as generous as we can? You know, it's the paradox, the secret that's, that's not a secret once you kind of get it. it feel, if you really want happiness and well-being, then you have a generous heart, not to deny what your needs are, but to come from that place of, oh, isn't it so good to be able to help bring out the best in each other? So uh, I think I'll just uh, stop here. There's a a bunch more I was going to say, and maybe I'll continue it next week because I want to do uh, do some reflections and exercises with you. Uh, but I'll first just ask you, and then we can take maybe a, a few moments if there's comments, just to go inside and, and um, reflect on your communities. What are your sanghas, whether it's this sangha, this community, or other spiritual communities, or your personal community, where somehow being together helps bring out the best in each other. If you're fortunate enough, maybe not everybody has that. Maybe it's just 
your family, if you're close, if you're fortunate to be close with them, or a few friends that get together and say, boy, how great that we found each other. Just how good that feels if you have that in your life. Where the basic spirit isn't who gets the most, but how wonderful it is to share our connection. And as you get in touch with that, just seeing how that supports you overriding the me first tendency, how good that feels. Just seeing what it might be like if you bring that spirit to the other communities that you are part of. They can't all be ideal, but to you can be an agent for that, to bring out the best in others. Refuge in the Sangha. Because it's contagious. And you could be that agent of change, of connection. You might have that as a, a practice this week in the various communities, whether it's at work or home, family or friends, to bring that spirit, refuge in Sangha, to the people that you're with. Perhaps, well, while it's quiet, we might as well just end. There, there won't really be time for a, a conversation now. But next week, I think we'll go into it and have more of a, a dialogue since we just opened up the topic. Uh, but while you're in the quiet space, we'll just do a short loving kindness. Just feeling your heart center, breathing in all the goodness in this room that we share. Let it fill you. And breathing out, radiate it out. Share it in a, an act of generosity. And then wishing yourself well, bring you to a, a Thursday evening to sit and share the Dharma with others. May I open to all the happiness in my life and all the goodness. May I feel 
all the love and the kindness that's inside me and learn to share it well. May I connect with a place of inner peace that's right inside and have it more and more available for myself and others. May I hold my confusions and fears with great kindness and understanding and see beyond them to the place of purity that's right inside. And then sharing this with everyone here, our Sangha, may all of us help each other wake up. May we all bring out the best in each other. May we all find happiness and peace. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. May all see the truth of things. May all learn to share their love well. May all beings know the highest happiness, liberation. So, thank you very much. Happy New Year.